Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. So we're on our last lesson, Love Like That. It's called Self-Giving. Self-Giving. Which basically means you are giving of self. That you are purposely giving yourself. Now, the author said, because this was based on a book, and you can buy the book if you'd like, uh, and it's a really good book. Uh, but the author said out of all the, the five um, different subjects of the different lessons uh, and chapters that he wrote, this was the hardest one for him. He had the whole book all done, and then this he knew he had to include this in the book, but it was the hardest for him uh, because it meant exposing his own selfishness. And, you know, most people, you know, they, you know, either subconsciously or on purpose, they ignore or flat out deny that they're selfish. Um, and that's just, and that's not just hearsay or what people think. It's actually uh, been proven in studies. In fact, the New York Times Magazine uh, not too long ago wrote a, an article titled, I'm okay, you're selfish. You know, because we think, well, I'm okay, but yeah, you're, I see it, it you're, you're selfish. Um, they found that only 17% of people say they are selfish themselves, but 60% of people believe that most other people are selfish most of the time. Because, you know, just, oh, yeah, blame it on other people. And it does, you know, kind of seem rational and logical when, you know, when you're, you know, you're focusing on you, you know, you're focusing on your goals and your desires and your dreams and uh, you're pursuing these things, uh, you know, and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's first and foremost because, you know, you got to, you know, to get where you need to go. It's investment of time and energy and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we feel like, well, we got to do all that first and foremost to truly be satisfied and truly be fulfilled and happy in our lives. But actually, they found to the contrary, you don't sacrifice fulfillment by giving up your life. You find fulfillment by giving up your life. Amen. Um, And, you know, it's exactly what Jesus told us. Um, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to read Matthew 10, verse 39. Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Doesn't make sense, but that's the truth. Because if you lose your sake, your life for his sake, you're not losing your life. You're putting it in the right place, and then he, you're going to find it. Just like you can't outgive God, you can't, uh, you know, outdo God. God is going to, you know, see that things are going to, you know, be what they need to be. Amen in our lives when we put him first. Uh, Let's see, who'd like to read on this side? Mario? John 13, verse 13 through 15. John 13, verse 13 through 15. And then Arlene... This uh, Mark ten forty five, and Renee Matthew seven twelve, 
Matthew 7, 12. Vanessa, Matthew 22, 39. Matthew 22, 39. And Terry, 1 John 4, 8. And that's our scriptures for tonight. Amen. So it's exactly what Jesus told us. When we lose our life, we'll find it. And that's so true. But people that haven't tried it or uh, don't know about it, they'll, they scratch their head. You know, just like when Jesus said, whoever, when they were fighting amongst themselves to be whoever's going to be the greatest of all the 12 apostles, we want to be on his right hand. We want to sit, you know, even uh, James and John's mother came up to Jesus and said, Lord, I would like you to have, you know, when you come in your kingdom, have my, one of my sons on this side of you and another son on this side of you, like exclusive seats right on the close by. And then Jesus went right into, he used every opportunity to teach. And he said, those that will be great among you shall be your servant. We're not like uh, worldly kingdoms where the kings and the ruling class are the ones that, you know, boss everybody around and everyone else has to grovel and stuff. He said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. And even Jesus himself, you know, came that way. He came to serve. Amen. Um, So... Our greatest fulfillment, one man said, lies in giving ourselves to others. That's our greatest fulfillment. And that's when you really feel the best, too. You know you know how a lot of people, even Scroogey people, uh, are, they, have, they, feel warm and, um, they feel warm and cuddly during Christmas time. Because, you know, even then they can, like, you know, even the, some of the coldest people or, and most stingiest people even get a little heart during that time of the year it's because it's all about others it's about giving it's about blessing and helping the less fortunate or whoever whatever if we just if we do that all year round that feeling goes with you all year round uh there was there was a a doctor uh of psychology uh you know his name was rimlin uh and he did an experiment of 216 students they were asked to list the initials just the initials. They wanted to kind of keep it uh, low-key and kind of anonymous. The initials of the 10 people in their lives they knew the most. I mean, they knew them like backwards and forwards, whether they be immediate family, best friends, or co-workers they knew, really knew well. But 10 people that they knew the best in their life. List their initials. And then next to those initials, indicate if those people were generally, you know, we're, all, we're not always happy and we're not always unhappy, but... People are generally happy people or they're generally unhappy people. They're generally, you know, like, you know, positive people or they're generally like Eeyore from, you know, um, you know, uh, Winnie the Pooh. Even on his own birthday, he knew he wasn't going to get any presents just because he knew. You know, it's my birthday, but nobody's going to come and I probably won't be able to blow the candles out. You know, and I'd say, hey, this is the best time of year, your birthday. Come on, pick up yourself off the floor now, you know. So, so, but he said in general terms, put, put happy or unhappy if that person just, you know, pretty much like when you see them on a regular basis, what, what are they consistently? And so that was the, the, you know, and then the last part of the exercise was indicate on those 10 people if they're selfish or unselfish in general terms. And they found some very interesting things. of those indicated as unselfish were the happy people. And 95% of the people indicated as selfish were the unhappy people. They were asked to gauge the happiness first, then the selfish factor. 
And that just shows you, uh, and of course that was, you know, an unofficial test, but that was 216 people times 10, you know, that was quite a few people uh, that, you know, um, gave some pretty good uh, information. Selfish people are by definition devoted to bringing themselves happiness, focused only on that, and yet they say, and we find, that they're far less likely to be happy than those whose efforts are devoted to making other people happy. This doesn't make sense, I know, but it works, believe me. Uh, The self-giving of Jesus. He, of course, exampled uh, and the, um, the whole uh, spirit of giving and, un- and un- unselfishness. Um, you know, one of the greatest things that we could find Jesus doing to show this self-giving was, uh, it was, you know, just the, the night actually that he was going to be uh, taken captive and just, you know, uh, just hours before his, his crucifixion, he was, they were in the upper room, they had just finished eating, uh, they were about to do the first communion, and he did something that blew the disciples' mind. He got up from the table, he put an apron around him, he grabbed a basin of water, and one by one he knelt before each of his disciples, and he began to wash the dirt off their feet and dry, dry them with the apron. And they were just like, wait, he's God, we've seen him, I mean, he's the master, he's you know, nobody in the, in the world, nobody in, in authority would do this kind of thing. This, this type of, this type of uh, activity was relegated only for, like, servants in those days. Amen. And, but Jesus did it. You know, and when he got to Peter, Peter didn't even want to have nothing to do with it. Peter said, no, no, you're not going to wash my feet. I'm not going to allow the God of heaven and manifested flesh, you know, that I had said, you know, uh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You're God manifest in the flesh. I'm, I, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. He goes, if you don't let me wash your feet, then I don't, you don't have any part in me. Okay, wash my feet. He changed his tune. So God manifest in the flesh showed them one of the greatest examples of self-giving as he knelt between, before each of them and washed their feet. He demonstrated both service and sacrifice at the same time. And said, you know, there's nothing too low to stoop to help somebody else. So he, he was totally, you know, he didn't just, like the Pharisees would tell people what to do. Jesus would show them and tell them and back it up with miracles. So what Jesus did was much more than just a self-giving act. It was a powerful life lesson for the disciples. Read John 13, verse 13 through 15. So this was a, thank you, this was a life lesson not just about washing feet, it was a principle of humility, a principle of unselfishness. So he, he said, I've done this to you, now you do it to one another, so then someone is going to see you doing it to one another, then they're going to do it to each other, and it's going to be a part of the church. Read Mark ten forty five. So he came to be served, to, not to be served, but to, to serve. And that's what, you know, when we say, hey, I, I really want to get involved in ministry, and some people they say it, and, and they're thinking another thing. You know, like, they want to get up here and like, let's preach it, all right, and let's go to lunch. You know, but that's not ministry. That's part of it. But ministry, the word minister means servant. So ministry is a lot of, most ministry happens behind the scenes when nobody's looking. You know, your father, when the Bible, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talked about giving, and he talked about 
praying and he talked about fasting. He said, he goes, you know, you do those things off to the side when, you know, really nobody's, no, nobody's looking. He said, your father, though, from heaven, he sees in secret, he shall reward you openly. And that's ministry. Ministry is, you know, going and helping somebody, praying for somebody, you know, uh, lifting them up, doing, you know, what you can, uh, showing them about the Lord, you know, and uh, giving them of yourself and your time and your money or whatever. That's ministry. He taught them and ultimately us that we must place others above ourselves. Henry Drummond said, you will find as you look back upon your life that the moments when you have truly lived are the moment when you have done things in the spirit of love. That's, that's what, you know, when we look back. Victor Hugo said, what a grand thing to be loved, but what a grander thing still to love. Sure, everybody loves to receive love and hugs and accolades and things, but, you know, I, I, it, you know Jesus said it you know, accurately, it's better to give than to receive because there's a greater blessing with giving than receiving. Amen. Because you receive, that's like a one-time thing, like, boom, I received. But when you give, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto you. So when you give, it's like planting a seed, and, you know, you never, you know, the crop is never like the seed. The seed's just one little thing, but it becomes a bush or a tree, and you get, you know, hundreds of apples or hundreds of grapes or whatever it is from that one seed. So when you give, you get so much more, sowing and reaping. Amen. The Living Bible says in Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. So self-giving means, is basically self, selfishness in reverse. It's not concerned with benefits. It expects nothing in return. Self-giving love is done out of care, compassion, and kindness, and not expecting repayment or appreciation. You know, Jesus said a lot of great things in the Sermon on the Mount, and one thing he said was, Hey, if, if you love only those that love you, what do you do more than anyone else in the world? Because everybody loves, I mean, for the most part, loves those that love them back. But when you love the unlovables, when you love the person that can't give you anything back, when you do it in the name of Jesus, he said, then you're going to have a, you know, have something that heaven's taking notice of. Amen. So you can, you can be a giver and still expect something in return. And this is referred to as giving with strings attached. Let's say, okay, I'm going to invite you over for dinner today. And before you leave, let's pencil in when you're inviting me back over to your house. That's kind of like strings attached. No, it should be, you know, oh, okay, I'll come back over, whatever. It's called tit for tat or a fancy word, a quid pro quo, a fancy term for it. But what keeps us from being self-giving? And there was a renowned anthropologist, her name was Margaret Mead, and uh, a student once asked her for what she understood as the earliest sign of civilization in a particular culture they were looking at. And her answer was, you know, the, the student was expecting an answer like, well, they found this coin or found this pottery or they found, you know, some writing instrument or some kind of thing that showed, you know, civilization, and it was nothing like that. And she, she said, 
we found, we dug up a healed femur bone of a, of a person. And the student goes, huh? What are, you, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a sign of civilization. And she said, the healed femur showed that somebody cared. Someone had taken care of this injured person's needs until their leg had healed. And that showed civilization. She, want, she went on to say that the evidence of compassion is the first sign of civilization. When you see signs of compassion. Signs of people working together and helping one another out. It's also the first sign of self-giving love. And the greatest, like, like last week, the greatest hindrance to boldness was, it was fear. And really fear can be one of the greatest hindrances to, um, to uh, compassion, which leads to self-giving love. If fear is the same thing. Fear of not being first. Fear of like, you know, losing out. Fear of, you know, not getting what I wanted, you know, out of the deal. Fear of not getting my needs met. My dreams, you know, achieved. It causes us to seek our own advantage and look past what others might need help with. Because we, gotta, we have to understand, if we seek first his kingdom, he'll add everything to us. He'll take, he's taking care of us. He said, if you'll take care of the poor and you'll watch out for those less fortunate and you'll make sure the widows aren't getting taken advantage of, I'll take care of your stuff. It's all about priority. Amen. Praise God. So, if we truly want to love like Jesus, we have to purpose in our hearts every day, not just like on certain times of the year or whatever, every day to put other people's needs ahead of our own. You know, and thank goodness Jesus showed us how to do it. Praise God. He taught us how to do it. So, what Jesus taught us about being self-giving is awesome in the Bible. He taught, if someone compels you to go one mile with them, go with them two miles. Amen. Now, there's a backstory to this that I didn't realize until I was studying for this. But basically, back in those days, the Romans, because remember, Rome was in charge. They had taken over. They conquered the known world. And they were in charge of everywhere, including Israel. And they, the Roman soldiers, you know, had these like backpacks or some kind of packs that they would carry around, and they would use young boys to carry their pack for literally one mile. That was like the uh, kind of unspoken rule or law that when they came into town, they would grab a, a boy, like a Jewish boy, and say, okay, take my pack. And, you know, the, the Jewish boys, they had this thing down to a science. They literally had a mile paced out all around where they were, where they would be nabbed to do this, and they would have a post dug into the ground so that when they got to that post, they would hand the bag up back to their soldier and say, all right, that's my mile. That's all I got to do. And, you know, they were, only, they were only compelled or made to go one mile. And so, see, Jesus always, you know, you know, when you think about that, he didn't just say a nice little statement that, hey, if somebody compels you to go one mile, go with them a second mile. It I had to do with something that was actually part of their lives back then. So they really understood that. And th- this, this gives even more credence to, what do you mean? Now, Jesus, you're telling us to go an extra mile when we shouldn't even be having to do the first mile because the Romans were unfair making us do that. But he's saying, hey, be self-giving. Because when you go the extra mile, you, you will change people's lives. You'll even, you'll even make that Roman soldier go, whoa, an extra mile. That's not supposed to happen. 
So he was trying to instill in us that if we want to be self-giving, we have to do what others don't expect. You know, like the jerky neighbor that always yells at the lady because her dog goes on his yard or, you know, this or that or whatever. And then you know what she did? Instead of just yelling back, she went and made him a pie and just knocked on his door and said, here, here's a pie for you. And he, it just totally disarmed he did. She did something he didn't expect. And he won, she won his heart, and he became a great neighbor after that. So, you know, how many, how many uh, times have we allowed something to just go on and on and on, and we could have just stopped it with a pie? You know what I mean? Like, if you mean I could have just stopped this, this has been going on for, this has been a next-door neighbor feud for three years, and I could have just stopped it with a pie? What was I thinking or not thinking? But you do something that they don't expect. And that's what, that's what Peter said. By, by well-doing, you'll put to silence the foolishness of ignorance, ignorant men. You know? And, and what did Paul say in Romans 12? When your enemy hungers, feed him. When he thirsts, give him a drink. By in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. You know what? That fire is they'll feel bad and convicted. Oh, man. I've been a jerk to this person, and they're giving me a sandwich. This is not right. But that's what self-giving is. By doing more than required, you're automatically setting your self-interest aside and you're practicing self-giving. So go the extra mile. I mean, people use that all in business. They use it. The coaches use it. Let's go. Go the extra mile. We got one more quarter to go. They use it and they don't even know it's from the Bible. You know, there's so many phrases in society that come from the Bible. And, uh, you know, it. Is, it, it is always used to motivate people to go above and beyond what is expected. And this principle will help us improve our relationships. There was a, an author unknown said this, we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. Jesus also taught about the golden rule, which is the ultimate formula for successful relationships. And, and uh, you know, we, I, I found out that it was called the golden rule uh, not in the Bible, it's not called that in the Bible, but, you know, it was called uh, sometime after that, you know, there were th- uh, theologians and stuff that said, you know what, this, this is such a, an honorable and a lofty thing to live by that we're calling it the golden rule. Amen. And we can't, we can't live by the silver rule or the bronze rule or the aluminum rule. We got to live by the golden rule. And that's the, that's the standard. Read Matthew 7, verse 12. Amen. So do unto others as you would like them. If we, if we just practice that, we'll be self-giving. Read Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. Amen. So those two things are basically talking about the same, the same principle of self-giving, putting others, you know. You, you know if, when, when I want to be treated like I just treated that person. You know, we, I know we don't think that way, uh, but boy, I was a jerk to that person. Man, I, would, I wish I, was, I wouldn't have wanted to be like that, treated like that. Oh, that would have been terrible. But we sometimes don't think in those terms, but we need to. Uh, Anne Frank said, no one has ever become poor by giving. No one's ever become poor by giving. Amen. So how to be more self-giving? Well, the, the best way to do it, it's, it's, it's in one phrase, put yourself in another's shoes. That's the best way to be self-giving. Like, why is this person being a jerk to me? Why is this person being, you know, being mean or whatever? Um, 
you just never know. You never know what somebody's going through to, to even though be, certain behaviors aren't, aren't, you know, to be excused no matter what. But, you know, this person might have just lost their loved one. They might have just got fired or whatever. And then he goes, hey, why are you being a jerk? Why are you cutting me off? Whatever. You know, you don't know what happened to him. So you try to, well, let me try to put myself in their shoes a little bit. And that, that phrase, put myself in somebody's shoes, can be summed up in one word, empathy. Empathy is, is what we're talking about. That's the bottom line. And there's a big difference because some people think sympathy and empathy are the same thing. Nope. They're totally different. Um, sympathy is on its way to empathy, but sympathy falls far short. Sympathy is empathy from afar. Sympathy is empathy uh, without getting involved. You know, one person said sympathy is standing on the shore and seeing someone drowning in the, in the water and then just taking a, a, you know, one of those lifesaver things and throwing it to them, and that's all you do. That's sympathy. It's like, okay, well, grab on. Hope that does everything right. I, I got to go eat lunch now, you know. But empathy is much riskier because you get more involved. Empathy says, I'm jumping in and I'm going after and I'm going to grab that person and I'm going to bring him back to shore. That's what empathy, you know. So everything starts with sympathy. Oh, I feel bad for that situation. That's it. That's all I got for you. You know, that's what like, like Paul, I mean, like uh, James said, he, he, he said, yeah, uh, you know, James and John both said in James and first John said, yeah, when, you know, you see your brother uh, have need and you say, be thou warmed and be filled and don't give him what he needs. That's sympathy. You, you said you felt bad for him. Hey, I feel bad for you. Boy, I can see your rib cage. Here I got a 12 pack of tacos, but I need them all because I worked hard today, you know, but I probably could have spared six for you. Right? So empathy is much riskier. It's, it's going after. You know, most people would only throw the lifesaver ring. Far fewer actually jump in and save the person. And you know what? We call those people heroes. But that should just be, that should be common. That should be more common. And I, I realize if you don't know how to swim, you know, I don't care how much empathy you have, you know, you're not going to do something crazy. You're going to throw the thing and, hey, someone else, get in there, you know, or whatever. So it's just as heroic when we apply empathy to our relationships. Why? Because empathy is risky. You're putting yourself out there for somebody else. Sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you get misunderstood, but you're doing it for the right reasons. Empathy does not come naturally. We have to learn it. It's a process, you know, that really is developed over a lifetime. But, you know, the Lord will help us. He taught us how to do it. It's an art that has to be practiced and cultivated, but it's the greatest thing. And so when we lose our life for others, we'll definitely find it. We'll, we will find our purpose and we'll find true happiness. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I willing to put myself second in order to put another first? That's the big question. And some people say, no, I can't do that. But we, we got to try. And we're not, we're not going to miss out. What about me? What about me? Don't worry about me. God's got you. Amen. What if I give my last dollar to that poor guy, that poor person over there that, that looks like they're in worse shape than me? That, no problem. God's got your back. He said, he that, lendeth to the, he that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord, and the Lord shall repay him. 
The Lord's, the Lord's good for the poor. The Lord's good for the widows. The Lord's good for the fatherless and the stranger and the disadvantaged and the, and the disabled. He, he's taking care of those, those people and those people that watch out for those people. Amen. Now, yeah, when I, when I see, like, people that um, taking care of special needs kids or caregivers for the elderly or those that are uh, handicapped or what, what, you know, that, that they just spend, you know, hours and hours. And, and that is like, I, I can't even, I can't even hardly imagine it. I couldn't do that for a living. I, I think it's a special person that has to do that. I, I remember when my dad was, had a really advanced case of Parkinson's and my stepmom had to go in for heart surgery. And I went up there for like seven or eight days to take care of him because he had to be, had to be uh, supervised, you know, 24-7. And I, I, got a, I got a great appreciation for caregivers, having to take care of every, every need of a person that can't help themselves very much, from you know, dining and showering and getting ready for bed and everything. Amen. But that's what self-giving is. Amen. When we truly emphasize or empathize with another, we will never look at that person the same again because we're, we're you know, putting ourselves in their shoes and we're understanding a little bit more. Empathy will, empathy will change us for the better. Empathy will, uh, it fashions our hearts so it's more, more closely aligned with the heart of Jesus and that's why we can love like that. Our last scripture tonight, 1 John 4, 8. So he, if we don't love, if we don't, uh, do not love, we don't know God, for God is love. And self-giving is just one aspect, along with the other things that we, we talked about. Amen, in these last few weeks. And so I'd, I'd like to just read, uh, it, it's kind of a, uh, there's a version of the Bible called the Message Bible, and it's a passage in Luke 14. If you walk, and this is Jesus speaking, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. You say, well, I never read that in the Bible. That's because it's the Message Bible. So it's a different version. But, you know, I, I like, you know, some, some versions, you know, tell it just like the way we want to hear it. So, amen. So put that next slide up just to kind of, uh, uh, I think there was one that showed. Okay, so we talked about being mindful, approachable, graceful, bold, and self-giving. Those are the five love like that principles that Jesus showed us. Amen. So let's put them into practice with the help of the Lord, and we're going to be used by Him like never before. Praise God. Would you stand? What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.